So the song that Marcus was playing for me was Deeper by Marvin Sapp. And the lyrics to that song pretty much says, this can't be it. God is so much bigger than this. I was at a point where I wanted to quit. Then I heard a call. He's calling me deeper. And so when I hear that song, it resonates in my spirit and has been resonating in my spirit for the last six months. Um, and when I hear that song, I'm thinking to myself, well, God, with all the things going on around me and everything that has happened to me over the last few months, I couldn't understand why I thought God was calling me deeper. But over the past few months, I've had some time to myself. I've had some time to kind of sit and reflect on my life. Um, as many of you may or may not know, I hurt my knee last summer, and I had the, what I consider the blessing of staying home um, just to kind of let my knee heal. And in that time of me being home, I actually had some quiet time with God because I could not and was not mobile that all I could do was really sit still. And during that time of reflection, God was revealing some things to me that he had been trying to give to me that I was really kind of like, no, I'm good. I'll just sit at home and relax, take some time off, decompress. I've been working since I was 16. This is my time. But really what started to happen for me, um, being at home, being kind of just in a sitting position, I started really trying to hear from God, like what is this time for? This pause that I have in my life, what's the purpose? What's the meaning behind it? And from inquiring of God about this time in my life, um, he had put in my spirit that it was time for me to give birth to the ministry and the gift that he put on the inside of me. And Although I knew, and I've known for quite some time, that there's something on the inside of me that he's been trying to pull out of me, I've just been kind of like, no, now's not a good time for me. I'm working. I'm you know, getting my degree. I just got married. I'm lending families. We just moved. So I had all these excuses as to why I could not give birth to what he put on the inside of me. And again, as I listen to that song, my spirit says, my mind asks, you know, how do I know that God is calling me deeper, deeper than, you know, where I currently am. Um, and so, again, over the last few months, I started to have some birthing pains. Now, I know for the guys, you don't really understand what that feels like. But for the ladies, you know that when that baby is ready to come, you start feeling some, you start, first of all, cleaning up your home. You start getting some things ready, start nesting, start putting everything together because it's almost time. And while I've been at home, those types of things have been occurring. Getting my house in order, figuratively and physically getting my house in order. Um, replaying messages over and over again because when I come into the house, I, I hear the message and something inside of me is getting excited, but then when I leave again, it's just, I flatline. And so I just could not understand why is it that I'm here in the house and ready to do my thing and during worship, my, I'm pouring out, tears are coming, my heart's moved, and then I leave and I go home 
And then I'm just still, I'm just sitting, I'm just, I'm doing nothing. And so while I've been home these last few months, I couldn't just sit still anymore. And even though my knee caused me to have to sit still, it was uncomfortable. And I needed to be doing something else. And so as I've been spending more time with God, pressing in, listening to messages, reading the word, really trying to uh, understand his word and what it means for me, um, some things started to get activated in my life. Some things have started to shift in my thinking and how I approach different things. And so just bear with me a few moments because I'm, I'm getting to that place. <laughs> and so being a what I would call a babe as a Christian, like I'd love to be mature as a Christian, but to be honest, I'm still a babe in Christ. I'm still crawling through this thing. And one of the things that I am always in turmoil with myself about is I know that God has a plan for me. How do I know that? Because his word says that he has a plan for me. All of us. There's a gift. There's a ministry. There's something that we're supposed to be doing in this earthly realm. And for my 47 years in this earthly realm, I have just done me. I've just done whatever that looks like. I'm not pressed for anything. I don't go after anything. I just, I have not had the desire to do anything other than, um, you know, work or go to school. Those are the normal things in life that I've done. But those things haven't fulfilled me. And so I believe that when I um, slipped and fell and I had an opportunity to just sit and just take all the clutter and declutter, God was then starting to, I could hear from him. I could, I could hear his voice talking to me. And so I started to question myself, you know, like, really what's going on with my life? What have I done with my life? What have I done in the kingdom? Why am I not further along? And not in my career and not in my personal life, but in my spiritual life. Why am I not further along in this thing? What's the holdup? And when I listened to that song by Marvin Sapp, um, to be called to go deeper means that there is a process or a training that must take place. And for me, it's like, but what does that look like? Like, yeah, sign me up. I want to do it. Yeah, you know, I hear all these great things that, you know, Christians can do in the ministry. Yeah, sign me up. And then when I'm called upon, it's like, nope, not a good time for me. Nope, don't work my schedule. Nope, don't feel like driving there. Can't do that. And so I'm dodging and weaving. And I'm like, but wait, I want this life that the Bible says I can have. I want prosperity. I want fulfillment. The pastors teach about fulfillment all the time. I'm like, yeah, I want that. But then when I leave, I go back to being me, just doing and just being. And so I started to, again, that process was, but what does, you know, fulfillment look like? What does the training look like to get to this fulfillment? Um, what is it going to take for me to get there? Am I willing to go? Am I willing to give all that is needed and do all that it takes to go deeper? And to be honest and transparent with you, I wasn't so sure that I could or that I wanted to. And when I started to put together what I wanted to talk about last week, God told me that what's holding me up is my resistance. My resistance to surrender, my resistance to change, my resistance of unfamiliarity, and my resistance of being different. 
And when that was revealed to me, I'm like, oh my goodness, like that's me, I'm resistant, like how is that so? And so let me share with you the definition of resistance because I clearly told God, it couldn't be me. I'm not resistant. I go to church every Sunday. Sometimes on Wednesdays, I listen in. I read the Bible. I get up and pray. I intercede. I don't resist, but apparently I do. So the definition of resistance, and it is a noun, is a force that tends to oppose or retard motion. It also means the act or power of resisting or opposing. The refusal to accept or comply with something. The attempt to prevent something by action or argument. And I was like, oh, that's why you said I was resistant because I'm attempting to prevent it from happening. And then I argue that clearly, Lord, I don't think it's gonna take all that. But then again, it does. And the synonyms of resistance is opposition to, hostility, refusal, unwillingness, and reluctance to accept, lack of enthusiasm for. So I felt like, okay, so when I see the synonyms, that like really describes me. And so, okay, Lord, you said I'm resistance. I'm going to own that. But how is my resistance holding up my purpose and my progress? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I do have my resistance to surrender. Um, my truth is that I am drawn to Jesus and his message, absolutely, wholeheartedly. I acknowledge that I have an innate desire to have a greater relationship with God and to know him. But I also admit that I recognize my resistance of drawing too close and my reluctance to hand over my life to him. I'm afraid of completely surrendering myself to God and relinquishing control. There is a part of me that rebels against submitting myself totally to him and to his purpose and will for my life. That is my truth. I am at times tormented with wanting to make my own decisions and to follow my own desires. So that's one thing that's holding up my purpose and my progress, is that I want to own my decisions. I want to follow my own desires. I, I, I. And God let me see the I, I, I in my life. Um, Something else holding up my um, progress is my resistance to change and being different. My truth is that there is a part of me that welcomes and acclaims Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe that wholeheartedly. When I'm praying for people, when I'm praying for myself, I know that God is real. I know that Jesus died for me. And I feel like every time I make a decision that takes me out of his presence, that I shun him and that it makes me feel guilty, but it's, it's my normal. It has become my normal. And, um, you know, I, I do admit that I find it difficult to imagine myself no longer the person I used to be, that person who was unaccountable, who was inconsistent. That's who I've been. No one has ever told me that that was a problem. But then no one can count on me. Then I don't show up. Then I'm not around. And it's just like, oh, that's just Tanya. You know, she's on her own schedule. She does her own thing. And that's really not what I want people to see in me. Um, I am absolutely afraid to embrace a God-centered life. That's been my fear. I put it on the throne. God knows my heart. I want it, but I don't know. I don't want all that comes with it. Or so I feel like I don't want all that comes with it. And it's a feeling. It's not my truth, but it's a feeling that I have. 
Um, I was not confident that I could keep up with the demands or the expectations of a spiritual Christian. In our discipleship learning class, um, discipleship training class, um, pastor has gone over, you know, the natural man and the worldly Christian, and then there's a spiritual Christian. And when I see the worldly Christian, I'm like, wow, I feel like that is my description. Like I'm, I feel like I'm all in, and then something in the world happens, and it's like, mm, not that fed in, and then I'm not reading as much, and I'm not pressing in as much, and so I'm kind of all over the place in that area. Um, but I, I, I'd want to be a spiritual Christian. I want to be sold out. I want to be all in. But I'm resistant to that change, to that part of my life, that part of my being that would have me to dive and go deeper in. I'm just on the cusp like, um, hmm, maybe, just a little bit. I test the waters every now and again, but then I, I, I go back to self. So um, I know that my experiences, and the, the Bible tells me that the nearer I draw to God, the more I become my true self. And so that revelation to me is I'm not actually operating in my true self. I'm operating in the things that I've heard growing up, the best way to be for a woman, the best way to be as an employee, the best way to be a wife, the best way to be a mother. I operate in those things, but I don't know if I'm truly my true natured self, that loving kindness that doesn't flip out on the service technician at the car dealership because he said something random to me. I don't want to have those kind of episodes. I want to go, you know what, sir? Great. I love you, too. God bless you. Now fix my car. But I haven't gotten there yet. But I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And then, <laughs> then there's my resistance to unfamiliarity. Uh, my truth is that I believe that God loves me, and he intends a good life for me. He intends good for my life. But I do admit that my carnal mind would have me to think that I am all too comfortable with the familiar trials and tribulations that arise in my everyday life. I know it. I, the, the enemy uses the same things over and over again. Sometimes he just comes a little differently, and I'm like, wait, that's the same trial. I've already been there. Mm-mm, Satan, you can't have that. Great. And then sometimes he'll, you know, be very manipulative, and then something will happen. I'm going, oh, my God, how did that, how did that get in? But he's very cunning. He's very smooth that way. So, um... And then I, you know, I was convinced that I may not be able to handle any new trials and tests that come in unfamiliar territory. If I go deeper in, those are new trials, new tribulations, I may not can handle that. That's what I tell myself. Tanya, you may not be able to handle that. You may not, you were strong for this trial. You were strong to go through that divorce. You were strong to, you know, go through your son having mental health issues. You were strong to go through his divorce. You were strong to go through certain things. And then certain things come up that I hear other people going through. I'm like, whoa, if that had been me, I think that situation would take me out. But I'm familiar with the things I've gone through. I've built up some resilience for those trials. And so now to have to try to figure out something new. It's like when you, you're dating someone and you know you, don't really, you really shouldn't be dating them, but you're familiar with them. It just works. And so that's how I am with my moving forward is that where I am, you know, I, I can kind of see the landmines. I can kind of see where I'm going, and that's how I navigate. But, um, and then I heard in a teaching, I don't know where I heard this, but that the land of unfamiliar comes with its own sets of challenges and own demonic forces. And I was like, well, 
I'm lost at the gate. I don't think I can go there. I don't think I'm equipped. But thank God that there's an heirs that equips you to be ready for the fight that's coming. Right? So then, what does God want from me? Like, God, what do you want from me? I mean, if, you, if I really look back over my life, you know, God has just been blessing me abundantly. You know, I faced some tough situations, as I mentioned earlier, going through a divorce and having to start over from scratch with three of my four sons. That built up some resilience, like, oh. But when I think about when I went through that situation, I thought I was going to die. I thought this could not be the worst case scenario. God, you did not paint this picture for me. Because had you told me that I would lose a son in this process, I would have never stepped foot out of this door. I would have just dealt with the situation I was in and let it be. But he had plans for me. And I stepped out on faith at that time and I saw him bless me. And then I saw my son dealing with mental health issues at seven years old. And I'm like, what is going on with this kid? And I'm thinking, I'm going to have to commit my son into, you know, one of those happy places that people go when they're mentally unstable. And I thought I would have to commit my son there. And I'm like, God, you know, I did not know that he would also be a casualty of a divorce. And so for seven to 10 years, the back and forth, the stress, the everything I'm going through, and all I could do, y'all, was pray for my son. I would go in his room, and I don't even know that my relationship with God was where it was now to even know that I needed to go in and pray for him and to anoint his bed and all his belongings. I had no idea why I was doing that, but I was. My son is a sophomore in college now. I did not think that kid would even finish school. So God was showing up then. And he just showed up. You know, there was one day I gave a testimony. You know, I hadn't got child support in 100 years. I didn't bother the guy. Like, I'm, I'm fine. As long as you don't find me, I'm good. I can take care of my kids. <laughs> and then one day, you know, I get a check in the mail for $60,000 to say, hey, we owe you some child support. And I'm going, Lord, come on. You done showed up again. <laughs> Let's do it. But I'm saying, y'all, there's just so many times that he showed up for me. And so... When I got the opportunity to just sit and just sit in his presence and just be, he's asking me to show up now. Are you strong enough to show up now? Because he believes that I'm strong enough to show up. I doubt that my strength will allow me to show up. And as I'm pressing in and he's peeling back these things about me, I'm going, God, I didn't know that was there. I didn't know that was there. And as he's removing those things and it's freeing me up and I'm getting lighter and I feel like I'm walking down, y'all. I'm walking into the deeper. I'm afraid, but I'm walking. I'm moving now intentionally. So I'm going to ask God when I was writing this out, when I was thinking about this, Lord, what do you want from me? He said, I want you to embrace resistance training. And I was like, well, what does that look like? So the definition for all those who work out, and I'm past this probably at the top of the list, resistance training is defined as any exercise that causes muscles to contract against an external resistance with the expectation of increase increases in strength and tone 
in mass and or endurance. That's what resistance training is defined as. The external resistance can be dumbbells. It can be these simple little bands. Um, it could be your own body weight. It could be bricks. It could be bottles of water or any other object that causes the muscles to contract. Resistance training works because it causes microscopic damage or tears to your muscle cells, which in turn are quickly repaired by the body to help the muscles regenerate and grow stronger. So I was like, well, okay, so you want me to get my bands out and go to work? Like, am I, you know, am I gonna put my Bible in here? Like, what do you want me to do? How does resistance training relate to the kingdom? God told me resistance training is preparation. It is a part of God's process in a season of growth. That means I'm growing, y'all. Come on. In Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 in the Good News Translation, it says, For it is by God's grace that you have been saved through faith. So I read it for me. For it is by God's grace that I have been saved through faith. It is not the result of my own efforts, but God's gift, so that I cannot boast about it, that it was my strength that did it. God has made us what we are, and in our union with Christ Jesus, he has created us for a life of good deeds, which he has already prepared for us to do. So he's prepared something, and I'm waiting for something, and he's telling me that I got to go through my training process to get moving to stretch myself for what he has for me. And so resistance training in the kingdom has a similar workout as I explained to you what resistance training is defined as. God uses the things in our lives, our tests and our trials, our external resistance, to increase our internal resistance, which is our faith, our trust, our endurance, our obedience, and our discipline. Now, as I mentioned, with this resistance band, if you're working out with this, and Pastor Keith can probably correct me if I'm wrong. Can you hold this for a minute? But with your resistance band, you've got to put some action into it. Like, if I'm just holding it, that's not resistance training. But I've got to put some action into it, right? I've got to be very deliberate to work those muscles so that they can tear, so that my body can regenerate. Well, God is asking me to do the same thing with my faith. He wants to stretch my faith. He wants to stretch my endurance. He wants to stretch those things about me that will cause me to get closer to him. And when I stretch those things, you know what God told me he was going to do? Regenerate me. He was going to repair me. He's going to regenerate me. That's what he told me. To stretch myself. To get out of my way and put my faith out there and stretch it. Put my trust out there and stretch it. My endurance. I would not be able to use or be able to stretch those things if it weren't for the trials and tribulations that come up in life. Because if nothing's happening to you, you're just a band. If you're just sitting still and things are just happening around you, you're just a band. But when that trial comes and you can't pay your rent and you're holding out like, Lord, I know you're going to do something and God is speaking to you. He's stretching you. Do you trust me? When your children are acting crazy and doing crazy things and you're like, I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight before I have to touch my son. God is stretching me. When I get up and I talk to one of my friends on the phone and they tell me that they're going through and I said, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm like, no, no, no. 
you know what, let me pray for you now. God is stretching me. Because I used to say to myself, I can't pray for them while they're listening. I might not sound right. I might get my words jumbled. And I said, you know what, Lord, if the prayer reaches you, however it comes out, let the prayer go. Let it be a sweet sound to your ear that I'm praying for my friends and my family. And so um, God's training program, it works. As I mentioned, resistance training works. If you, you know, get this band and stretch out in the morning, you'll start to see some things happening within your body. Same way, God, um, God's training um, does work for us because the test and trials equip the Holy Spirit to uncover our cracks or our condition. It helps to locate where we are and identify the damage we've suffered as a result of our disobedience and then our need for repair. The Holy Spirit helps us to regenerate and grow stronger. You see, God's protocol for our resistance training includes a humble spirit, for God will not reject a humble and repentant heart. His protocol includes obedience, which is better than sacrifice, and attentiveness, which is better than the fat of the rams, according to 1 Samuel 15, 22. The training includes loving God with all my heart and with all my mind and with all of my strength, and then to take it a step further, to love my neighbor as I love myself. So it's not enough for me to love this little circle or my extended family of 11. It's not enough to just love the 11 of us and then some parents and some siblings, and then not enough to just love my church family. I have to now stretch myself to love those who may not agree with my beliefs, love those who may still be in the world drinking and smoking, love them enough to stay away from them, but love them from the distance. That's what that kind of stretching is for me. So <clears throat> here I am thinking that, you know, I'm the only one resistant to my purpose, but no, there are some characters in the Bible who were resistant to purpose. Jonah, God called Jonah to leave the life that he loved in order to reach the people that God loved. And that's no difference from you and I. God loves us enough to know that there are some people that he's trying to reach. And if I sit at home on my couch with my remote control in my hand, I'm not reaching anybody. I'm not touching anybody. I'm not speaking life into anybody. I'm just home by myself, solo. Um, God's call to Jonah was, um, it, it, it kind of unraveled him a little bit to the point that he got up and went left. He was all said, no, thank you, God. I'm going to go this way because I don't agree with what you're asking me to do. So I'm going to go. And then he ran into some things that drew him back in. And so then he moved forward. But God's call to Jonah exposed something in Jonah, the selfishness that was reigning in Jonah's heart. So we could all be, you know, ready, all in, but we also have to check why we're doing the things that we're doing. Am I show showing up to church today just to say, that, oh, Tanya came to church today? Oh, am I cleaning up the church to go, oh, you know, Tanya did a great job cleaning up that bathroom. Am I doing those things for the appreciation of other people or their kudos to me, or am I doing it as a service to God? Am I giving him the glory with how I clean that bathroom or how I vacuum the floor or show up? Am I coming here just for man's approval or am I coming here because I'm expecting to give and receive something in the kingdom? Another uh, example of um, someone who resisted their purpose was Esther. 
Um, she was purposed to save her people from destruction, but when the time came, she, like me, wanted to play it safe, like, wait, you want me to do what? Go to the king? Uh-uh, he didn't call me. It's not time yet. If I go to him, he might kill me. It's not a good time. Lord, can you come back, like, in about a week or so when he actually calls me in to see him? Like, because now's not a good time. But after her uncle Mordecai spoke with her, like, look, it's not just the people. Like, you are the people. And when they come to kill and slaughter us, you're on the list, too. And she, you know, asked him to fast and pray because she, she had to get her spiritual strength up. You know what I'm saying? She had to get her strength up because if she thought, like I think, Lord, I'm not big enough to do that job. But God is saying, but I am. I just need the willing vessel. If you would just be willing, I could get some things done through you. And then my favorite person is Moses. Now Moses... He gave God many excuses for not moving forward. Like me, Moses was like, wait, I'm not qualified to do that, God. Like, mm -mm. Moses told God, who am I that I should go into Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And that's in Exodus. I'm in Exodus 3. And God's response to Moses was, I'll be with you. And, and that should have been enough. Like the fact that God was like, I'm going to roll with you and be with you. So I got this covered. Moses was like, well, mm, okay, well, what about this, God? I lack the knowledge to fulfill my purpose. Because God commanded Moses to talk to the children of Israel and tell them what God had said regarding their deliverance out of Egypt. But Moses was hesitant because it, he wasn't even sure about who God is. And God's response to that was, I am who I am. You tell the Israelites, I am has sent to you, has sent me to you. So Moses was like, mm, that's all good, right? I'm, I, I hear you, Lord, like I hear you. But them are some knuckleheads over there, and they've been doing some crazy things, and you're asking me to go over there and tell them, because I'm not really sure about who me and you are right now. I'm just, I'm just getting to know you. I'm just getting to know you. You want me to, mm. and then Moses came back with, Okay, so, Lord, you know, I don't have what it takes to do this. And Moses did not believe that he had the, the power to fulfill the calling of God. As a matter of fact, in Exodus 4.1, Moses said to God, What if they do not believe me or listen to me? And then they say, Please, the Lord didn't appear to you. Who are you that the Lord would appear to you? And God responded by showing Moses the signs that he needed to show the children of Israel. So instead of God telling Moses to say something, he took it to another level and said, let me show you what to show them. Because if they can see it, if they can see it, then they'll know. And so he showed Moses the sign with the staff and all this stuff and the other, right? And then... Um, and, and so Moses was like, okay, so I can show them that, but you know, there's a lot of sorcery going on over there in Egypt. Not quite sure that they'd fall for that one. So then he told God, I'm not sure this is even my calling. Like, did you dial the wrong vessel up? Like, I'm not sure that this is for me. Because <laughs> Moses then told God, like, wait, you know, I'm really slow in my speech. I may not say it as eloquently as you're saying it to me. 
I may fumble at my words. They may laugh at me. The Pharaoh might be like, who is he that he's coming to talk to me? Like, Lord, I'm just not sure that I can say what you need me to say and say it smoothly. That Pharaoh will be like, okay, let's do it. God's response to Moses then was, who gave human beings their mouths? Who made them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? And then Moses was like, okay, okay, Lord, you know, I get that. All right, I'm good. But Lord, how about this? I'm sorry, I'm just not feeling this calling. Can you purpose me for something else? Like, is there anything else on the agenda that I could sign up for? Because that going to Israel, talking to the Pharaoh, he's like, mm, I'm not really feeling that purpose. I, I don't really think that's for me. And uh, God's anger burned against Moses, but he said, oh, okay. Um, the Bible says in Exodus 4.14, then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. Nevertheless, God offered Moses an alternative. He said, you shall speak to Aaron and put words in his mouth, and I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. That sold Moses because now he had a counterpart. He had somebody else who's going to go on this journey with him. Sometimes it helps for us to have somebody on the journey with us. But sometimes that person cannot go the whole entire journey. They're supposed to go with us a few steps into the journey. And then they're supposed to go their way and you're supposed to keep going your way. But if we're walking with someone and they're on our journey with us and we become, they become like our crutch, then we, then we keep trying to take them with us. We keep trying to make them what, they, what we need them to be for the journey. But everybody has their own journey. Everyone has their own journey. So after I kind of went through and figured out that, hey, I'm not the only one who comes up and justifies my position. Not that it's right or wrong. It's wrong, people. It's just so wrong. <laughs> and when I told, you know, when, when God was talking to me about this thing, and I was just like, mm, this is my purpose. And y y you know how you know that you were supposed to be doing something like way yesteryear? you just been putting it off. I probably took me all these years to tell God these five excuses. Like, no, not a good time. I'm in school, got kids, can't do it. I had so many things I was telling him. And in all honesty, I said, God, I'm just lazy. <laughs> I, I, I don't run out, because I, I run out of excuses now. You know, I, I'm at home with a, a, a bum knee. I have nothing else going on. So I'm like, oh, well, Lord, you know what? I'm just lazy. I have probably been lazy my entire life, and no one has ever called me on the carpet about it. I've never just dived into it like, Tanya, why don't you like to do all these things? So you know what I did? I threw my hands up, and I said, enough already. Let's get to it, God. So now that I've shared with you all my holdups, and they're telling me that my time is wrapping up, um, I'm ready to move forward. I told God that I was ready to move forward. And in all this time that I've been home, I've been piecing some things together. And I meant to bring it with me, but I left it on the counter because the man is painting and he's in my way. But I, I have this black box. And it's this really nice black box that I decorated myself. And by decorating, I mean I put some colorful tape around it. <laughs> and in that black box, I said to God, okay, Lord, whatever it is that you want me to do, I'm going to put it in this black box. And while I'm home, all this time, I'm going to get up and I'm going to make myself touch something in that black box. Read a book, meditate. But let me tell you what God did. For a 
couple of weeks, I've been waking up at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, and God's been downloading stuff. And here I was in bed like, Lord, do you know what time it is? Can you come back at about 6? And he was like, no, thank you. And then I said, okay, Lord, just download it. And when I wake up, I'm going to write it down. And when I woke up, guess what? I couldn't remember it. I forgot it. I was like, oh, so it's like that? Okay. <laughs> so what you're saying is that I need to actually get up, write it down. Thank God for cell phones, y'all, because my cell phone has a S pen, and I'm like, go ahead, Lord, and I'm writing it down. And when I look at the black box now, God put on my heart a long time ago that I am to go out and help young men from ages 15 to 24 get financial skills, even those that are incarcerated. I'm supposed to help them learn financial skills because our men are supposed to be leaders in a home. No matter what the world tells us about the women's movement, there's supposed to be a man leading that home. If that man does not have the financial skills, banking information, investments, retirement, whatever it is, if he does not have them skills, he's going to learn it trial and error. We as women will be looking like, oh, you done bounced a check? What are you doing? We're going to question that man, right? We're going to make, make him feel like he's less than because he did not have, does not have the proper skills. So that is on my heart. And let me tell you, in the last few months, not only have I done a PowerPoint, because I'm going out into the world, I'm stepping out on faith, I have created two games, the, um, the whole entire life bucket ministry, whole education packet. I have, um, God is just doing so many wonderful things. And I'll tell y'all that when I look at that black box, I'm like, I'm scared. Because I know that because God is in it, that thing is going to take off. And my fear is that if I'm not, if I don't stay connected to my source and I go to put my hands to it, that black box will end up in a corner with dust on that pretty tape and nothing touched. But I promised him, I promised him that I will get up and touch that box every day. I will do something in it until it becomes a habit until my spirit yearns for it. My Bible is in there. I touch that box every day, and I see the momentum. I'm going, Lord, look at what you're doing. And though it was a dream from way back then that I had forgot about, like, mm -mm, I'm not going to have that kind of platform. I'm supposed to be like the Susie Orman for our people, our young people. And I've just been dragging on that thing. So now, what am I up to? What, what am I going to do now? Now that I've shared with you the reasons why I have not moved forward, let me tell you how I'm going to move forward in all that God has for me. So my resistance training action plan was that when I start to resist change and being different because my carnal mind will talk me out of it, like, girl, don't you just want to sit on that couch and just watch TV today? Don't you just want to just veg out and just relax? You don't got to do nothing. And if I don't do something, y'all, my purpose is not being fulfilled. I'm not going to get to fulfillment. And so when I start to talk myself out of it, my resistance, I remember what God said in Jeremiah 29, 11. He said, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So he's got plans for me. And if I sit on my couch, I don't see how those plans are going to manifest. He promised me that he had plans for me. That was a promise, and I want what he promised me, but I can't get it doing nothing. And then he said, 
when I conjure up in my mind that I already feel like I'm different from a lot of people. I'm just, I, be, I grew up just being different. And different's not bad. It's just, you, you grow into, you're knowing who you are. But he said in Jeremiah 1 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations, y'all. What if my life bucket ministry is supposed to be impacting a nation of people? And it's not out there. And our men are just being pushed aside because the Me Too woman's movement. What happens to our young men who are growing up thinking that they're not going to lead a household, that they're not important enough? What happens to those young people? Um, and then my action plan for my resistance to surrender. And 2 Timothy 2, 21 through 22 tells me to become the kind of container God can use to present any and every kind of gift to his guests for their blessing. I'm supposed to be impacting lives. Verse 22 says, run away from the infantile indulgence. Run after mature righteousness, faith, love, peace. Joining those who are in honest and serious prayer before God. He gave me an action plan, something that I need to be doing. I want to be that kind of a container that is a blessing to his people, the people that he's bringing into my life. I'm supposed to be a blessing to them, not sucking the life out of them. And then my action plan for resistance to the unfamiliar, unfamiliarity is Isaiah 42, 9. It says, see, the former things have taken place and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Well, he's announced them. And what he told me in Isaiah 42, 9 was that, Tanya, who you used to be, how you used to roll, your attitude, your laziness, your this, your that, your inconsistency, your lack of accountability, all those things that I know that I used to be that still follow me around waiting for an opportunity to jump back on me. He told me that those things have already taken place. You've already done that and you got no results. Take on what I have for you because fulfillment is your result. That's my action plan. So the prayer that I'm going to leave you with is, and I pray this, teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart so that I may, that I may honor you. With all my heart, I will praise you, O Lord, my God. I will give glory to your name forever, for your love for me is very great. You have rescued me from the depths of death. That is Psalms 86, 11 through 13 in the New Living Translation. Y'all, I'm telling you, when God starts to stretch me, y'all going to see it. It's going to look a lot different. I'm going to look a lot different. Started with a haircut, but it's coming. <laughs> it's coming, y'all. That's, that's, that's what I have. Praise God. Sounds of mine, it's calling me 